When Christmas isn't all that it's cracked up to be. When Christmas isn't all that it's cracked up to be. How many know a lot of people have got misconceptions on what Christmas is all about? They got the wrong idea on Christmas. They've got all sorts of unrealistic expectations and pressure. And oftentimes, for many people, Christmas is the most miserable time of the year when it should be the happiest time of the year. How many know what I'm saying? How many of you experienced those miserable Christmases because of unrealistic expectations because we've lost the real meaning of what Christmas is all about? We've lost the power behind Christmas. You know, there's nothing that drives me crazier. I was at uh, Disneyland last week, and we were riding the It's a Small World ride, which my son wants to ride over and over and over and over. And on a hot day, it's the greatest ride in the world because it's 15 minutes in an air conditioner. And when it's hot out there and you don't want to wait in line, just ride it over and over. And it's wonderful. But he wants to ride it over. And I was so disappointed at Disneyland because nowhere in Disneyland will you see the word Christmas anymore. It's always happy holidays. And it just breaks my heart that we, we don't want to offend people by using the word Christmas when it's part of who we are. It's our, that's part of the values of America. We are a nation that believes in Christmas. There's a Christmas tree at the White House, but we don't want to use the word Christmas anymore because it may offend somebody. So we use the word happy holidays. When the reality is we're losing the reason God established this country to be great. Let's look at the real reason of Christmas. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read uh, Matthew chapter 2, the first 12 verses as we read about the first Christmas. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And if you want to really study it back, it's in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Micah the prophet said in verse 6 here, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When, this, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. I could preach an entire sermon off of just verse 12 alone. They departed another way. Say, when you find Jesus, you'll always leave a different way than when you came. So you may come to Jesus broken, you may come to Jesus messed up, you may come to Jesus, but when you leave after finding Jesus, you'll always leave a different way. 
You'll always leave healed. You'll always leave whole. You'll always leave your life put back together. And I could just stop and preach all verse 12 for the next 30 minutes if I wanted to. But we're not going to do that. We're going to, I have another sermon in mind today. And I want to talk about the wise men, the magi, the magi from the east. Someone once pondered, what if the first Christmas, uh, it wasn't wise men, but it was wise women from the east. Well, for one, they would have asked for directions and they would have made it to Bethlehem on time. They would have probably helped with delivery, cleaned the stable, made a decent meal, and brought some practical gifts for a baby. Because how many know babies don't really have a whole lot of use with gold, frankincense, and myrrh? It would have been a lot different. But let's just talk about the Magi or these wise men that came from the East. You see, the Magi were the ancient equivalent of what we would think of as Jedi Knights. I mean, they, were, they had a superb knowledge of math, of science, of astronomy, of history, of agriculture, and also of the occult. Well, the question then is, how do we sing the song Three Kings when it was three wise men or three magi? Well, historians believe that you could not become a king of Persia without a mastery of the scientific and religious disciplines of the magi. They had to be approved and crowned by them. So oftentimes the Magi themselves were kings, and that's how we get the story of the three kings. Well, when you study it out, the Magi had heard about this prophecy. The Magi had heard that one day a child would be born in Bethlehem, and there would be a star, and you would guide the star. Well, how did they know that? Where did they hear that from? Well, again, if you study the Bible, you'll discover that the prophet Daniel actually worked with the Magis in the Babylonian time. And so I believe, and many historians and theologians also believe, that it was Daniel who first talked to the Magi about this star and about this Christ child, this Messiah, that would be born eventually in the future. And so as the Magi, who spent a lot of time studying the stars, saw the star in the sky, they realized this must be the star that Daniel talked about years earlier when he worked with the forefathers of the Magi. And so it was the prophet Daniel that actually set this thing in Moses, in, in motion. And let me tell you something about these wise men, these Magi. They were completely satisfied with their Christmas. They had the best Christmas of their life because they found exactly what they were looking for. And what I want to talk about today is that you can have a better than usual Christmas if you will decide to pursue the right things on Christmas, the things that won't disappoint you this holiday season. Well, let me ask, how can you make Christmas better than usual? Well, let's look at two things that we can do that will help us have a better than usual Christmas this year. Two things that if you apply them to your life this week, you'll have one of the greatest Christmases you'll ever have in your life. The first thing we can do that'll help us have a better than usual Christmas is seek the right thing. Seek the right thing. What do you want for Christmas? What this year would make Christmas wonderful? What are you seeking for this year? What do you want? What does your Christmas list consist of? You know, a lot of people would love to have a white Christmas. They'd like to have the snow. Well, you chose the wrong part of the country to live in if you want a white Christmas. 
Some people think, well, I want the Norman Rockwell painting for Christmas. I want my family and my children and my grandchildren to sit around the Christmas table, the dinner table with the the tree and the lights and the, the big turkey and all the food. And that would make Christmas perfect. That's what I'm seeking this Christmas. Some people are looking for the holiday spirit. You know, they want to feel that, that joy that you see in movies, that when you watch the Christmas movies, it's always fun, and it's always exciting, and it's always heartfelt, and it leaves you with that emotional, uh, tear-felt moment in every Christmas movie. Some people are looking for the perfect present, the perfect gift. You know, they, they want, you know, whatever it is, but how many know you'll never get the perfect gift? I mean, what are some of the bad presents we get every year? Socks. How many know, man, we get socks every single year. Socks are never the perfect gift. You know, the Christmas tie. How many of you have ever gotten the Christmas tie? They give it to you on Christmas Day, and you can't wear it again until next year. Or the fruitcake. You know, how many have ever gotten a fruitcake on Christmas? How many know the fruitcake will disappoint you every single time? See, we've all been disappointed by Christmas. We've all been let down by Christmas. We've all had such high hopes and high expectations. And then when Christmas Day hits, you know that afternoon feeling where you sit back in the afternoon and it's just a letdown. You waited all year. You waited all month. You had all these expectations, all these ideas, all these hopes. And then you sit there in the afternoon completely left down because Christmas didn't fulfill what you wanted it to fulfill. But let me explain something. Christmas wasn't the problem. Christmas was never the problem. It was your expectations. You were simply looking for the wrong thing on Christmas. And the wise men, they show us how to make Christmas better than usual. They show us what the meaning of Christmas really is. Look back at verse 2 with me. Verse 2, the Bible says, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. What were the wise men looking for on Christmas? They were looking for an opportunity to worship Jesus Christ. That's what they were seeking. That's what they wanted. That is what was on their Christmas list. They weren't asking for presents. They wanted to worship Jesus. They came to Jerusalem looking for an opportunity to worship. The Greek word of worship is the word proskuneo. They wanted to worship him. They wanted to know Jesus. They looked for that opportunity to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But not only did they look for the right thing, but they also looked in the right place. See, if you want to worship Jesus, you don't just have to look for the right thing, but you also have to look in the right place on how to worship him. Verse 5 and verse 6 tells us where they look. The Bible says, So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet. What prophet? Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. They were reading the Bible. Not only were they looking for an opportunity to worship Jesus, they were looking in the right place, his word of God. They were looking in scripture. They were looking at the ancient manuscript of the prophet, which we now have in the Old Testament. They looked for the right thing, and they looked in the right place. So I remember for many years when I first went to Los Angeles to help uh, found the Dream Center there, I didn't have any family, didn't have any friends. We didn't know anybody. We didn't fit in. And there were many Christmases we were all alone. 
and didn't really have anywhere to go because during Christmas time, you couldn't leave the work that we were doing because people got very depressed. They got very emotional. Oftentimes, they would backslide and, and go back to drugs and go back to alcohol. And so we had to commit our Christmases. And it got lonely because I had all these unrealistic expectations on what Christmas should be. People say, well, Christmas is supposed to be with your family and it's supposed to be around a dinner table and you're supposed to have presents and you're supposed to have all these things. And how many know for many people, that's just not what Christmas is. Christmas is a very lonely time for many people. And what I began to discover is Christmas could become the most powerful time of the year even when you didn't have family, even when you didn't have presents. What did I do? I learned to have the best prayer meetings of my life on Christmas Day. I said, okay, I may not have the world's expectation of Christmas, but I can have a time of worship on Christmas like never before. I can get on my knees on Christmas Day, and I can thank God for the real gift of Christmas, which is Jesus Christ, his son, that God so lovingly allowed his son to be born for us. And I realized if I would focus Christmas Day on Jesus, it became some of the most meaningful and some of the most powerful and some of the most wonderful Christmases I've ever experienced. Because it was on Christmas days that I heard God like never before, that I felt God like never before, that I got into a spirit of worship like I've never known before, just centering my Christmas on the real meaning of Christmas. And listen, I'm not against the dinner table. I'm not against Christmas trees. I'm not against presents. I'm not against having your family all around. But don't let that be the meaning of Christmas. Enjoy those things. Those are wonderful things to have. But let them know what the real meaning of Christmas is all about. That it's about Jesus Christ. It's about God's gift to us. Because if you will seek the right things on Christmas. See, if you're looking for satisfaction from family and from snow and from presents and from having the perfect meal and that perfect uh, uh, Christmas movie feeling, you're always going to be disappointed. See, how many of you know people who set unrealistic expectations on Christmas and they're let down every single year? See, if you seek the right thing, you'll never be let down. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 and verse 14. The Bible says, and you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord. See, if you're seeking the Lord on Christmas, he says, I will be found by you. You're not going to be disappointed. You'll find exactly what you're looking for. I'm not saying do away with all your traditions. I'm just saying, why don't you add a new tradition on Christmas Day this year? Why don't you add a tradition of prayer? Why don't you add a tradition of worship? Why don't you add a tradition where the first thing you do on Christmas is get into the presence of Jesus Christ? Get into the worshiping, the real meaning of Christmas and see how wonderful the rest of the day becomes. See how wonderful exchanging presents will become. See how wonderful your family time will become if you spent the first part of Christmas worshiping the meaning of Christmas. See, the question is, are you looking for the right things this Christmas? What are you trying to get out of Christmas? What, you know, there was a middle-aged woman, and she posted her Christmas wish on the refrigerator for her husband to read. She was being rather tricky. 
And, and she, she just was, was trying to get the right price. She was trying to get the right thing for Christmas. And so on this list, she had certain items of desire. And she simply requested something that will make me look sexy and beautiful. Well, when Christmas rolled around, she expected to open a package and maybe find some fancy lingerie. And to her surprise, her husband gave her an exercise bike. I know. Listen, if you'd pay better, you'd get better jokes. <laughs> See, you can always get let down by having, seeking the wrong thing on Christmas. Seek the right thing, the opportunity to worship Jesus at the right place, the word of God, and you'll never be disappointed. Seeking the right things are great. But let me ask you, what is Christmas without gifts? You know, we've got presents for Christmas. How can you have a Christmas without presents? Well, let's talk about that just for a second. The second thing that we can do, the first thing I said is you need to seek the right thing on Christmas. The second thing that we can do to help us have a better than usual Christmas is give the right thing. Not only should you seek the right thing on Christmas, but you have to learn how to give the right thing. The Magi came to Jesus' house with a bunch of gifts. And that was appropriate, actually. When we come to the house of God, we come giving of ourselves. We give of our time. We give of our talent. We give of our treasure. Why? Because when we worship Jesus, the act of worship is about giving. You know, the tithe and offering time, that is an act of worship. Worship time, when we sing and we lift our hands, that's an act of worship. It's an act of giving. Well, this is an interesting thought. Because the wise men came to worship, and part of their worship was this giving. Look at verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and they worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, let's just look at these three gifts for a minute. Because each of these gifts have prophetic meaning. Each of these gifts were telling something about who this Messiah, who this Christ child was. They're gifts that they studied through the prophecies. They studied through scripture. So they brought exactly what was appropriate for this Messiah, gold. Gold was a gift for a king. Gold was a royalty gift. Jesus was the king. It was a symbol of royalty. And so they gave gold as a symbol of Christ being the king frankincense. Well, frankincense, that's a gift that's used by a priest. Priests burn frankincense in temple worship and during temple offerings. That was during ceremonies, the priests used frankincense. Well, how many understand it was prophetic because Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is the priest that opens the door for us to have a relationship with God. Well, what is myrrh? Myrrh was a gift for the dead. Myrrh was a fragrant ointment that they used to prepare the the dead body for burial. That's what it was used. It was an anointment used in in, in burial ceremonies. Well, in John chapter 19 and verse 39 and 40, the Bible says, And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus, and they bound it in stripes of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Jesus' own body would be anointed with myrrh. Myrrh was a gift for the dead, and the wise men brought appropriate gifts. Gold, the gift of a king. Frankincense, the gift of a priest. And myrrh, the gift of the dead. Why? Because Jesus had come to die for the sins of the world. 
When God gave us our very first Christmas gift, he gave us what our greatest need was, and that our greatest need was for a Savior. Think about it for a minute. If our greatest need had been for information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been for technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need would have been money, then God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need would have been pleasure, then God would have sent us an entertainment. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And so God sent a Savior, his own son, Jesus Christ. And this Christmas, we ought to learn to give the right things. We ought to learn to give the appropriate gift on Christmas. See, the appropriate gift is not material gifts. It's, it's more important than that. See, you can give material gifts. And how many know you work so hard on finding the perfect gift for a loved one, and they open that gift and the look on their face? How many have ever experienced that moment? Wasn't the reaction you wanted. You worked so hard. You got the right thing. You knew they would be ecstatic, and they opened the gift, and they went, wow. That sinking feeling of knowing you missed the mark. Well, it's because you're giving the wrong thing. Now, there's nothing wrong with giving gifts. I'm not against Christmas. Please understand, I love to bless my family. I love to bless others. But at the same time, you've got to learn how to give the right gift on Christmas. What's the right gift? Showing love. Showing kindness to our family, to our friends, to, to, to helping those who are in need. Giving the gift of forgiveness, one of the greatest gifts you can give to the people that have hurt you. Give the right thing. See, when you give these kind of gifts, you'll have joy. You'll have a meaningful Christmas. There are no disappointments when you learn how to give the right gifts. There's a story of a young boy named Chad. He was shy. He was an outcast. He wasn't the most popular kid in his school. He was kind of the one that always walked home by himself. All the other children would walk home together. and He was always left walking by himself. And for this reason, his mother was very concerned when Christmas rolled around, when Chad came to her and he said, Mom, I want to make a Christmas card for every student, every kid in my class. Well, she was hesitant, but this was his wish. This is what he wanted to do. So she bought all the supplies, the, 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 the paper, the glue, the crayons. And this little boy, Chad, spent weeks making a Christmas card for every person in his class. Well, on the morning of their class Christmas party, Chad was just overflowing with excitement. He carefully collected all 35 of his Christmas cards. He headed out to school, but his mother wasn't so enthusiastic because she knew what was waiting for him at school. She knew that her son might not get one Christmas card back in return. And she was wondering if he could handle that type of pain and that type of rejection. Well, to compensate, his mother baked his favorite cookies all afternoon. And as the afternoon came, the silence was broken by kids screaming and yelling and running down the street. And she looked out her door, and there was her little boy walking home by himself, empty-handed. And she was doing her best to hold back the tears and, and, and hold back her emotions when he burst in the door with a sense of pride. His chest was just beaming. And his mom looked at him and said, I've got some warm cookies. And he barely even heard it. And with the first expression, he said, not a one. Not a one. I didn't forget one. I didn't forget one single Christmas card. See, he was so consumed with giving the cards that he never stopped to realize what he got in return. Because he was more 
excited about what he had the ability to give than what he had the ability to get. See, the greatest joy in life is reserved for those who are more interested in giving than they are receiving. And the best gift this Christmas is the gift we can give. See, the wise men were satisfied with their Christmas. Why? Not because they went back to the east. They went back to Persia with a bunch of presents. No, they were satisfied with their Christmas because one, they were seeking the right thing. And two, they gave the right thing. And you can have a better than usual Christmas this year if you'll learn how to do those two simple steps. Seek the right thing. What is the right thing? It's an opportunity to worship Jesus Christ. Where is the right place to look? In his word, the Bible. Learn how to give the right thing. How do you give the right? Well, you give of yourself. You give of your love. You give of your forgiveness. You, you give yourself in worship to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. So I hope you'll decide to pursue the right things on Christmas this year, the things that aren't going to disappoint you. Because if you seek satisfaction in what the world tells you Christmas is all about, it'll never hit the mark. But if you seek to worship Jesus this year, you'll have one of the most powerful and one of the most emotional Christmases you'll ever have. And if you learn to give the right thing, if you give things that don't have a price tag, that don't have moving parts, that aren't wrapped in a book, they don't last. But when you give the right thing, love, yourself, kindness, how can you make Christmas better than usual? I'll close with this story. In 1994, there were two Christian missionaries that answered an invitation from the Russian Department of Education to teach morals and ethics in a very large orphanage in Russia. There are about 100 children, boys and girls, that have been abandoned, abused, hurt, beaten, left in the care of this government-run program, government-run orphanage. It was nearing Christmas, and so these missionaries decided to tell them the story of Christmas. It would be the first time these children had ever heard the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. The first time they were ever told about Mary and Joseph arriving in Bethlehem, finding no room in the inn, and the couple went to a stable where the baby Jesus was to be born, and they placed him in a manger because there was nowhere else for a Savior to be born. And throughout the story, the children and the orphanage staff, they sat in amazement as they listened. Some of them sat on the edges of their stools and they tried to grasp every word that these missionaries spoke. When the story was finished, they gave the children three small pieces of cardboard so that they can make a little arts and craft, crude little manger. Each child was given a small paper square that was cut from a yellow napkin because there was no colored paper in the orphanage. And so following the instructions, the children tore the paper and they carefully laid strips in the manger symbolizing the straw. And then small squares of flannel they cut out of a worn-out nightgown that one of the American ladies was sewing away and left it in Russia were used to make a blanket for the little baby in the manger. And then a doll-like baby was cut from a piece of tan felt which the missionaries also brought with them. Everything was going smoothly until one of the missionaries sat down at a table to help a little six-year-old boy named Misha. Misha finished his manger. And when the missionary looked at this little boy's manger, she was startled to see not one, but there were two babies in the manger. 
And quickly she called for the translator to ask Misha why there were two babies in this manger. Well, crossing his arms in front of him and looking at the completed manger scene, Misha began to repeat the stories very, very seriously. For such a young boy who had only heard the Christmas story once, he related the happenings accurately until he came to the part where Mary put the baby Jesus in the manger. And then Misha started to ad-lib. He made up his own ending. He said, and when Maria laid the baby in the manger, Jesus looked at me. And Jesus asked me if I had a place to stay. And I told Jesus, I don't have a mama and I don't have a papa. So I don't have any place to stay. Then Jesus told me I could stay with him. But I told Jesus, I I can't stay with you because I don't have a gift to give you like everybody else does. But I wanted to stay with Jesus so much. so So I thought about what I had that maybe I could use for a gift. And I thought maybe, maybe if I kept him warm that would be a good gift. So I asked Jesus, if I could keep you warm, will that be a good enough gift? And Jesus told me, if you keep me warm, that'll be the best gift anybody ever gave me. So I got into the manger, and then Jesus looked at me, and he told me that I could stay with him for always. As little Misha finished his story, his eyes brimming full of tears that splashed down his little cheeks, he, he put his hand in his, his hand over his face and he just began to sob and sob. Because that little orphan, that Christmas, found somebody that would never abandon him, that would never abuse him, and that would never leave him. You can have a great Christmas this year by discovering the real meaning of Christmas. Maybe it's building a relationship with Jesus that you've never had. Or maybe it's learning a new aspect of Christ that you've never known as a believer. Whatever it is, this Christmas can be the greatest Christmas of your life if you would not center it around the materialism and the commercialism that this world has turned it into, but you kept Christmas centered around Christ. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Before I close today, I want to ask anyone in this room, you don't know the real meaning of Christmas. You've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Or maybe at one point in your life you knew Jesus and Something happened and you've lost that relationship. Maybe you walked away from him. Maybe somebody in the church hurt you, let you down. And because of what some man did in a church or what woman did in a church, you've turned your back on a God that loves you. Well, this morning, just like little Misha found a savior that would never leave him and never hurt him, you have an opportunity today to have a relationship with a Christ, with a Savior that will never leave you. How powerful would it be to begin this Christmas season receiving the greatest gift of all? See, Jesus Christ is a gift. And if I gave you a gift this morning and you left this room without it, the gift would always be yours, but the gift would only change your life if you took it with you. 
He's already paid the price. He's already given the gift. It's your job to receive the gift. And with every eye closed, nobody looking around, if there's anybody in this room that would like me to pray for them today to receive the gift of Jesus Christ this Christmas season, with no one looking around, would you just slip up your hand quickly so I can see you and pray with you? Just slip up your hand quickly with nobody looking around. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, this Christmas season, there are so many people, Lord, that have set unrealistic expectations. They're looking for the wrong thing, God. They're giving the wrong things. This Christmas, let us as a church realize the most important thing this season is worshiping you. The most important place to look is in your word. And the most important thing to give is ourselves. As this Christmas, Lord, can become the greatest Christmas we've ever known. We can have a touch from you this Christmas like we've never known it before. We can step into a a place with you, God, that we've never been before. A relationship with you, a closeness, God. Lord, let this Christmas be the greatest Christmas of our life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Would you guys stand with me as we close today? Don't forget this week to think about someone that needs to be here at the Christmas Eve service. Be praying for us this week that God would anoint, bless this Christmas Eve because I really believe with all my heart we're going to see lives changed this Christmas. And above everything else, don't forget what the meaning of Christmas is. We love you guys. I look forward to seeing you on Christmas Eve. Bring everyone you know that needs to hear the message of Jesus this Christmas Eve because it's going to be a powerful, powerful time here this Friday at 4 o'clock and at 6 o'clock. And if you want to volunteer on Christmas Eve, we, need, we still need a number of volunteers to help love people and serve people and make a difference. So we'd still, if you'd like to help and serve this Christmas Eve, we'd love to have you. You guys are dismissed. We love you. We can't wait to see you next week. Have a great day.